Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Second thing I want to point out is that our lesson is based on, not Genesis, but Romans chapter 1, where Paul not only gives thanks for the faith that is in the Roman people, but also talks about how they got that faith. It is a faith that doesn't come from in themselves, but it is a faith that comes from God, his power, his gospel, his righteousness. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith for his namesake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness, how I constantly remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This is the word of our God. President Biden being asked about the American people and the future of America had this to say. He said, I have enormous faith in the ingenuity and the integrity of the American people. I'm not joking. I have enormous faith in them. Reginald Ladan is a citizen of Puerto Rico, and very recently you probably know that Hurricane, Hurricane Fiona, hit 
the island of Puerto Rico. And because of all of the flooding and the wind, what ended up happening was thousands and thousands of people lost power. But shortly before the hurricane, Mr. Ladan installed solar panels on his house, as many other citizens in Puerto Rico have done. And during that storm and the aftermath, he was able to have electricity. And more than that, he was able to share it with his neighbors, and his neighbors were able to help him out in a lot of different ways as well. Reflecting on the mutual aid that neighbors were able to share with one another, Mr. Ladan said this. He said, you have faith in humanity when you can see this outpouring of help. I'm a pretty big uh, Green Bay Packer fan. And nobody did, but if you were to ask me who's going to win the Super Bowl this year, here, here's exactly what I would say to you. Yes, I'm quoting myself in a ser sermon, but you'll see the point. I have enormous faith. I have enormous faith that the Green Bay Packers will win the Super Bowl this year. As you think back on those three quotations that I just shared with you, how is the word, the term faith, being used in each one of those? Is it being used in the same way that scripture, that God in his word uses the word faith? Are we asking for an increase of faith? What exactly is it we're asking for? What exactly were those quotations asking for? Just think for a moment. President Biden, reflecting on people and ideals and values, well, what is, he, what is he asking for? What is he expressing? He's expressing an aspiration based on a really good idea that people come together around integrity and ingenuity, right? How about Mr. Ladan? Well, he is reflecting on a shared experience. He's expressing a feeling based on that experience. And what am I saying when I use the word faith? Well, I'm really just expressing a personal bias, a, a pious wish, if you will, based on what? Well, nothing other than my fandom, if you will. We use that word, faith, all of the time. We say, you just gotta have faith. We ask for faith. We use it in sentences about sports and shared experiences and also ideals in our future. But what does it mean when scripture talks about faith? It seems that that's something we should know as we follow along with the disciples' prayer, asking God to increase our faith. So what we're gonna do in this first week is exactly this. We're gonna ask the question, what is faith? We're gonna to try to understand more deeply what we are asking for then when we say, Lord, increase our faith. And ultimately, I wanna finish with this today. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that we're so careful with our definition of faith, our understanding of faith, as we talk about faith? Let's get into it this morning and start with that very first question, what is faith? How is it that God's word in scripture talks about faith? The first thing to note, and you'll see it on the screen and in your notes, is that what we're talking about is not a pious wish. We're not talking about a shared experience or aspirational values. What we're talking about is faith that does something. We're talking about saving faith. And we're talking about saving faith that is a gift from God. 
That's our first fill in the blank. And we read Ephesians chapter two before that says this, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. First thing to understand about faith is this, that it is not something you get or you find on your own. That's a discovery. It is not something that you earn. That's a wage. It is not something that you choose or elect in and of yourself. Well, because that's a decision. The way scripture talks about faith is as a gift, a gift that is given to you. And as we looked before, not because of you. Ephesians chapter two talks about that it is God's mercy that moved him to decide to choose to give faith to you. And then he gave it to you when? While we were still dead in our sins. First, faith is a gift. And second, as we look at this, let's ask maybe, well, how do we get this faith, okay? We looked at Romans before. Romans chapter 10 says this, that it is with your hearts that you believe. Belief, faith, those are synonyms. Belief is the verb. Faith is the noun and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Consequently, Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard about Christ. So how does this faith, this gift that saves us come? Well, it comes through the gospel, comes through the message of Christ as it's found in word and sacrament. All right, so first, faith is a gift. And second, as we look to understand what faith is, note this, faith has an object. Faith is in something and this faith is in Christ. President Biden's faith in humanity is based in ideals and values. My faith in the Green Bay Packers is based in really nothing other than the fact that for the past 30 plus years of my life, I've been watching the Green Bay Packers and I desire or want them to win. But what is your faith based in when you talk in terms of your religion, your spirituality? Your faith is based in something. It's based in Christ. We looked at Hebrews before. Hebrews chapter one, or chapter 11, verse one, is an oft-quoted and often shared verse about faith. It says that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now just pause there, because oftentimes what people talk about is blind faith. That, oh, we can't see Jesus, so we just, we just gotta fall back and, and trust him. But that's not what the writer to Hebrews is talking about. He's talking about confidence. He's talking about assurance. Now, we can't see Christ who's seated in heaven, but look at verse chapter 11. What it does for the very rest of that chapter is it lists out tangible, evident ways that people look to the promises and the word of God, which you can see, and acted because of that. And then in chapter 12, it starts out this way. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Here's not blind face, ready? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. What is Hebrews telling us about faith? That it comes from Jesus, that he is the pioneer. He is the starter of our faith. And he's also the perfecter of our faith. And this faith, it's based in him. 
It's based in him, the truth about who Jesus was, that he was the son of God, descended from David, born of a virgin Mary, but true God. He was one who suffered under Pontius Pilate. It is based in his promises that Based on that suffering, he gave you forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. It is based on confidence in the fact that we know he endured the cross and then, yes, took on its shame, but rose again and is seated right now at the right hand of God. This is the content of your faith. This is what your faith is founded in, rooted in, cemented in. It's in Christ. Romans also reflecting on this talks about the righteousness that is yours. It's a righteousness that doesn't come from observing the law or doing a thing. It's righteousness that comes by faith. All right, so here's what we know. We know what faith is. Faith is a gift, and faith is in something. It it has an object outside of ourselves. It's in Christ Jesus, his person, his promises, his word, his actions. So maybe here's an illustration to help us understand this. And and this is an illustration that perhaps you've seen before, or at least you've heard me talk about before. Let's think about faith this way. Faith, we might think of as a hypodermic needle or, or a shot, okay? And it's something that we need because we have sin. That's the disease that we have. And yet, the antidote that goes in to the shot, the, the needle, the vaccine, is Christ. Now, as you think about that analogy, that illustration, what saves you or what cures the disease? Is it the needle? Is it the needle that saves you? Well, no. We would say that that's not what saved us, but what is? It's the object. It's the content of our faith. It is Christ. Put it into a picture form. Here you go. The doctor, our great physician, God, comes to us and as a gift gives us a shot. And you look at this picture and you would say, what saves you? Well, you wouldn't say the needle saved me. You would say what? Well, my faith in Christ saved me. We'd say Christ Jesus, his work on the cross, his giving all of us gifts and adoption of us in in our baptism. That is what saves us. We are saved by grace. We are saved by God's goodness seen in Christ Jesus. We are saved by Christ's righteousness through faith. Faith doesn't save us, but it's needed to be there in order to give us that which does. Faith is is the means or the way that God gives us his salvation. Let's look at those passages on top of this. Ephesians says, for it is by grace. All right, grace is is God's undeserved love to us in Christ, that you have been saved and through faith, not from yourselves. It's a gift. Look at it in terms of Romans. Think about the content of what is in that shot, the red, the Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. It's the gospel. It's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. For in this gospel, what's in it? In that is the righteousness of God, a righteousness that is, how do you get it? By faith. From first to last, just as it's written, you, you, the righteous, will live by faith. 
This is what faith is. This is how we get our faith as a gift. This is what our faith is. It's, it's content that is in Christ, has its object in him. So now let's ask the question, as we look at this sermon series, Lord, increase our faith, what is that prayer asking for? Is it saying that, Lord, some of us need to increase our faith because while the foundation, Christ Jesus, isn't really strong in, in me as it is compared to some? Think about that. Is that what we're asking? No, because the foundation is Christ and Christ isn't strong sometimes in some people and not strong sometimes in other people. Are we saying, Lord, in increase my faith because the antidote, the shot that you gave me isn't as strong as it is that you gave to somebody else? No, the quality of Christ isn't better or worse in, in some cases than in others. So what are we asking for when we say, Lord, increase our faith? Because here's the, here's the reality. Saving faith is the same in everybody. Saving faith isn't based on you or me or someone else. Saving faith is based in whom? Christ. Either have it or you don't. This is comforting for people who know Christ Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever has faith in him, whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Faith isn't something that can be measured in terms of greatness or littleness, weakness or strength. So then what are we asking when we say, Lord, increase our faith? Well, here it is. What we're saying when we say, Lord, increase our faith is this. Lord, increase my knowledge, increase my trust, increase my confidence in specific promises that you give to me. This is the way scripture talks about it. Saving faith is saving faith. Either you have it or you do not have it. And yet, as you think about the promises that God gives in his word, there's some that well, maybe we don't know about or we don't remember. There's some that, that well, is it really true? Do I trust it? There's some that I, I think about and I go, well, do I have confidence in this promise? That it applies to me, just like it says to all people. Let me give you some examples, all right? Think about it in this way. There is somebody who has saving faith in Christ Jesus and they trust God's promises. And for this example, let's say this, that they trust in God's promise about worship, Yes, God's promise also comes with a command at worship that you should do this, but what does he say? He says, come to me, all you are burdened, and I will give you rest. When you remain in me and my words, I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give you strengthening of faith. There's a promise in worship. So you think about the person who has saving faith in Christ, and, and when it comes to worship, they, they trust and have confidence in that promise. But the same person who trusts and has confidence in that promise about worship also struggles with worry. Sunday morning, they go to church, they come home, they enjoy their day with their family and friends, and then the Sunday scaries set in. They look out at their week ahead, and there's a lot of anxiety about work, 
about how their busy schedule is gonna get all done. And the same person who trusted God to give them faith, to give them forgiveness through his word and sacrament goes out through the week and worries. Forgets, doesn't know God's promise that he will be with them always, even during their week. That he has plans for them to, to prosper them, not to harm them. And so it's in that area in their life where, well, Lord, increase my faith. They have faith and, and it's evident through the way they worship and the way they live. Well, there they worry. And you can flip it right around. Maybe there's one person who just lives a carefree, worry-free life. Trust God that he is with me always, surely, to the very end of the age. Oh, but worship? Nah, I don't really need that. You see what I mean? Let me give you another example. There's someone who, who is very generous, very generous with their gifts and their offerings because they trust God's promise. They trust God's promise that everything that he's given us is from him and that he will care for us. They trust God's promise that says, test me in this, give your tithes and offerings and see if I will not throw open the storehouse and bless you. They trust God and so they, they're very faithful in giving. But then when it comes to the area of a Christian life called the forgiving, Lord, increase my faith. Because while they're generous here, they're, they're stingy here. And they don't trust God's promise that when you forgive, I will forgive those sins. That you can go out and forgive people's sins because I promise you, I have forgiven all your sins. And therefore, you don't have to, to worry about holding grudges and, and bitterness and resentment against others because I forgive you. You see what I mean? Lord, increase my faith. There might be someone who's very generous in, in giving out forgiveness and in, in telling people they're forgiven and forgiving people's sins and proclaiming the gospel. But then when it comes to God's promises about giving of offerings, they lack confidence that God's gonna care for them in that area. Ask yourself, where in your Christian life is that prayer applied? When we ask God, Lord, increase my faith, what we're asking is that in some area of our life where his promises are to be applied, that we have a lack of confidence, a lack of trust, a lack of knowledge about what his promises are. Let me give you a, a biblical illustration of this. In Mark's gospel, chapter nine, Jesus and his three disciples just came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And there on the bottom of the hill, the other disciples and a father who has brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus to be healed, they're, they're having an argument. They're having a conversation about why this, is, this, this boy can't be healed. And, and this, this father has come out of desperation and also faith in Christ that, well, that he can heal him. And so Jesus asked the boy's father, how, how long has he been like this? And he says from childhood, he said, it often throws him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can't do anything, take pity on us and help us. This is the father's request to Jesus because he knows Jesus. He has knowledge about Jesus. He, he, he understands that, well, I've seen Jesus heal before. I've heard about Jesus healing before. I heard his promises that God cares for Jesus. But he says, I don't know if you can. 
don't know if you can do this. There's an issue of trust. There's an issue of confidence. If you can do this, take pity and, and help us. I love Jesus' response. Jesus says, if, if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. What is he saying? Is he saying, you man do not have any saving faith? No, 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 no. He's saying, let's talk about faith as it's applied to this area in our life, your life, where you are trusting me and my ability to heal specifically as it relates to you, that you trust that I can do this, that you have confidence I can do it for you. This is Jesus' reply to the man. And immediately, look how he responds. The boy's father explains, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. In other words, I do have saving faith, Jesus. That, After all, that's why I'm here coming to you. I, I know you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And yet, I have lack of faith. I, I have unbelief. Lord, increase my faith especially as it applies to to this promise about you healing my son. Do you understand what we're asking when we say, Lord, increase my faith? As we look throughout this series, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into four different areas of the Christian life where we apply promises of God and ask him to increase our faith. We're going to apply it to our areas of our life where we talk about his promises of forgiveness. We're going to talk about specifically his promises to give things to us that we need for body and life and how that applies to us and our life of gratitude. We're going to talk about God's promises of prayer, his promise to hear our prayers, his promise to act according to our prayers that are prayed according to his will. Do we trust? Do we have confidence? Do we know that He's promised to do that. And fourthly, throughout the series, we're going to look finally at looking at who we put our confidence and dependence on. Do we depend on God for, well, of course, sins, but everything for our life? Of course, for righteousness, but for sustaining our faith? That's our fourth week, that we're going to look to God as the one who sustains us in all that we do. This is what faith is, and this is what we mean by Lord, increase our faith. What I want to end on this morning is this question. Why does it matter? Why be so careful about defining what faith is, and why be so careful about making sure you understand what we're asking for when we say, Lord, increase our faith? Well, it's because of this. There will come a time that you who have faith in Christ Jesus— who stand in that foundation, who have him as your saving faith, that rock, your faith will be battered and tossed by the storms of life. There will be specific areas in your life, and I I couldn't list all of them out, where it will be difficult to apply the promises that God has given you in his word. There will be times where you just don't know or don't remember that God has made this promise to you. There'll be other times where you know it full well, but it's hard to trust. It's hard to trust that this is true and good, what God says in his word. There's other times where maybe you know it's true and good, you hear it and see it, 
but yeah, that applies to them. And I don't have confidence that that promise is for me. And what's really important, why this matters is this. What are you going to do? Or rather, where are you going to turn when your faith applied in a specific instance well, feels weak, doesn't feel very strong. Because here's the thing, here, let's back up from here. If, if you think that in a moment like that, what's really going on is a question of, do I have faith in Christ Jesus or not? Do I have saving faith or not? What's gonna begin to happen? Well, just look at the question, do I have faith? If you think that applying the faith in a specific promise is really a question about whether or not I have faith at all, well, where do you begin to turn? You turn inward. You turn to a question of me and, well, do I have the feeling of faith? That's not faith according to Scripture at all. We think in terms of like, well, faith, I aspire to have faith, but is faith an aspiration? Not at all. And then what happens once we don't know what we're questioning or where our faith is weak? Well, we begin to turn away from the author and the perfecter, the beginner and the sustainer of our faith. And what happens? We no longer think of faith as a gift, but as just something, well, I got, I'm sure I did something wrong. I need to now earn it. I need, I need to go find it. I need to discover this faith. And we end up in a crisis of faith. That's why this matters. But consider the opposite. Consider that same moment where you, you are struggling in your faith. And what, is, what do we mean by that? Your faith applied to one specific instance in your life. Your saving faith in Christ applied to maybe worship or worry, maybe forgiving or giving. And you stop in that moment and you think to yourself, praise God. Praise God that I know that my Redeemer lives and he lives for me. Praise God that I know I have saving faith. Do you see where you're turning? You're not turning towards yourself, but you're turning back to the base, the roots, the content of your faith, the gospel of Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God. And there, when you look at faith and faith in what it is, what are, you, what are you doing? You're not thinking of yourself at all, but it's really just Christ. And that is when your faith glows and brims the brightest is when it doesn't think of yourself at all, but it thinks only of what it is. It is in Christ. It is a gift of Christ. And there we take our hope. Practically speaking, how do you increase your faith? What you're never going to hear me say is, well, you just really got to believe. Because what does that do? It points you to you. You're not going to hear me say, you just got to trust. And maybe even tack on an in God. Because what does that put the emphasis on? You. Practically speaking, how does our faith increase? Ad fontes or we're back to the source, back to the source of our faith, which is a gift, Ephesians 2, which comes through the message, the gospel of Christ, Romans, which is not something that we originate in ourselves, but it comes from outside of ourselves, the power of God, salvation for everyone who believes, Romans 1. Lord, 
may you increase our faith today and always. Amen.